Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Go with me to John chapter 14. Oh, I, I love John 14. Found one. I love John 14, she said. It is a great, I was actually thinking that, I was like, this chapter could be a book by itself. John 14, 12 says that anyone that believes on him, the works that he did, Jesus, that you can do also. You understand, Jesus didn't come to show us what he can do. Jesus came to show us what you can do, what we can do, amen? And Jesus came not to just put on a perform performance and entertain he actually got on to people that just expected him to entertain all the time at some point he's wanting this thing to shift and say okay when are you going to pick up the mantle when are you going to be doing what I've been showing you and producing and revealing to you and, and he's trying to help us understand that everything he did he's expecting us to do it becomes the responsibility of the church and that is taken up by those that accept the responsibility of living out of their spirit. We've been talking about living in the spirit, getting out of our minds, getting out of our flesh, getting out of our soul. Uh, many believers have done well with crucifying the flesh, but now we've got to crucify feelings, right? And I, I, you know, I want to help us understand, I'm going to make a shift here soon. I know that I've been hammering pretty hard on the side of what not to do in the soul realm. But we're going to switch to, you know, what is the power of the soul realm? What is the power of our emotions then? What is the power? I'm not here to tell you not to feel. I'm not here to tell you not to think. I'm not here to tell you not to have a will. We're just going to learn how to align them. That's all we're trying to do. He's not telling you be a robot that doesn't think, that doesn't have a will, that doesn't have feelings or emotions. That's not, Jesus doesn't want robots. God didn't create robots. He wouldn't give you a soul if you didn't need it. Amen. But as we've been saying, it makes a terrible master. We need to learn how to get our soul to serve our spirit. So I'm, I'm really trying to hammer home here up front how to live out of your spirit. Then you will properly allocate and appropriate the soul realm, the mind, the will, the emotions, the feelings, um, even your flesh, even your body is necessary. You need it. And our feelings can um, help us. They, 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 can, they, make, they, they make a great gauge of things. And there are going to be times you're going to need to feel. There are going to be times you're going to need to sense what is happening. Not to be led by that but that God needs you connected in that way. So we're going to get there, I promise. I, I don't want you um, thinking that, you know, if there was a way to uh, remove and amputate the soul from my life, I would do that. No, you need it, and we're going to properly uh, understand that, but I've got to really help us understand what living out, because that, that is so foreign, even though it ought to be the most common. That is really uh, uh, against your nature to be led by your flesh and by your feelings as a born-again believer. As a born-again believer, it's completely unnatural for a believer to have a renewed spirit and still controlled by the, by the flesh and by the soul. That, that, that should be a foreign concept to us, but we know that we're in the reverse, so we've got to kind of work some things here to help us understand, okay, what does it mean to live out of the spirit? Doesn't mean to be super spiritual. The, the devil has tricked us. There are a lot of churches that have never exceeded, uh, uh, you know, being born again with the renewed spirit, but learning how to master the soul and the flesh. And they're okay with that. They've actually created entire theologies that leave them irresponsible, that, that leave them unaccountable to what the word of God is telling us to do and, and how to live. And, and I, want, I want to live in a way where I can have my back beat open and sit in a jail cell, uh, you know, thinking that my life's going to end tomorrow morning and praise and worship and jail, and jail cells break open. But you don't do that making contact out of your soul and your flesh. That is an individual 
Paul and Silas, that has trained themselves to live out of the spirit regardless of the situation, regardless of the condition, regardless of the, that's what I'm talking about. And this is possible. This is real. This is real life. You can get there. You might not ever find yourself in that predicament, but there are plenty of opportunities uh, that we need to be passing up to live out of the soul and out of the flesh. It might be sickness in your body and you want to respond emotionally. You want to respond uh, out of a feeling. You want to respond out of your flesh. Uh, it might be a, a situation, an altercation with a spouse, with a coworker, with a family member. You know, it, it, it can be anything that's contrary to the word of God. And, and at the end of the day, we are not, um, we should not live at, we do not live at the mercy of our circumstance. We live at the mercy of our response. Does that make sense? The circumstances that come to you are not what determine the results and outcomes in your life. It's how you respond to it. Because we can have two individuals, one built on the sand and one built on the solid rock. The storm came to both houses, but we had two completely different outcomes. Why? One was in the spirit, one was in the flesh. Very simple. Very simple. You can go through the same exact things everybody around you is going through and have a different outcome. Do you believe that? You can yield different results, and we ought to. We ought to yield different results. So we've got to learn how to live and engage uh, our spirit and live out of that. In John chapter 14, I want to, uh, let's see, we're going to back up here. Start with verse 16. I'm going to read out of the Christian Standard Bible here initially. We'll look at this in the Amplified as well. But John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus is introducing us uh, to a very important aspect that's going to help us live out of the Spirit. And in verse 16, he says, And I will ask the Father, and I will give you another counselor to be with you forever. For how long? Forever. And if, uh, the, if the disciples could have the Holy Spirit in this way, if the apostles and those in the book of Acts could, you and I can too. We should expect this kind of engagement and this kind of relationship with the Holy Spirit. The other counselor, he says. That word another means one just like me. It's not second place. It's, it's not second tier. It's not, well, not as good as, but it'll have to do until I come back. No, he says, this is another that everything I've done on the earth for you, he will do. And the great thing about this is that Jesus was one man that they had to make contact with individually, whereas now the Holy Spirit resides and lives inside of every single one of us. So we've, we've just got Jesus individually living and residing inside of you. Another counselor who will be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. Now look what he says in this next statement. The world is unable to receive him. Because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. Now, again, this uh, to qualify to be a candidate, you must be a believer. You must be in the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit does not reside in unbelievers as he does with you and I. The Holy Spirit can, can impact us because we know this, that we didn't even come to repentance until the Holy Spirit drew us. So the Holy Spirit can contact us in a lost state or an unbelieving state, but he does not reside in, remain in, and live with lost unbelievers as he does you and I, okay? And so he says that the world is unable to receive him. Right there is a key indicator why the world responds to things differently than the church ought to. Right there is a key indicator that they, they are missing a very important component to living in the spirit. Number one, their spirits are dead, right? Unfruitful, ineffective. That's why we need to be born again, made new, made alive again, right? But the second fact is they don't have a Holy Spirit residing and remaining with them to help them make contact with the supernatural. 
So they are limited. They live at the mercy of circumstances. They live at the mercy of the natural. They live at the mercy of their feelings, their five senses, their emotions, their own mind and intellect, their cognitive ability, their own will, their own ability to align. Even when they want to do what's right, this is what Paul was saying. He said uh, in, in Romans chapter seven, he was talking about his former state in that chapter. He was talking about his, his, his unrenewed state that even when I wanted to do the right thing, I did the wrong thing. And when I, when I didn't want to do the wrong thing, and, and, and so it, it's just this, this life that is subject to brokenness, subject to the natural. And again, not, not enough believers being renewed and being born again in the image of God have made the switch over to now, okay, the natural doesn't dictate control. I'm not subject to that. I don't live at the mercy of that. I now have a Holy Spirit on the inside of me. Helps me with character. Why do you think it's called fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience. You can't produce those things. Oh, you might be able to be a good person, but you can't produce the fruit of the Spirit without the Spirit. That's why it's called fruit of the. You might have been a a, a good person, you know, lived your life decently uh, prior to being born again. But at the end of the day, there's something drastically missing. The component is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. Verse 18 says, I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. In a little while, The world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you will live too. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. Listen to the connection, listen to the engagement that he's speaking with. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I also will love him and will reveal, here it is, reveal myself to him. The Holy Spirit is necessary for us to even receive the revelation of who Jesus is. So the very next question, look at verse 22. Judas, not Iscariot. You know, I I have a feeling he introduced himself that way. I just got a feeling that he lived the rest of his life, like, just so we're clear, not to be confused with the Iscariot. You imagine him going on a date. I've heard about Judas that followed Jesus. No, not Iscariot. Not Iscariot. Said to him, Lord, how is it you're going to reveal? There it is again. How is it you're going to reveal yourself to us? And not to the world. And Jesus answers, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Somehow that statement we've, we've almost eliminated from Christian theology. But if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home reside, abide with him. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you. These are the things that I've shared while I've physically been with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, right? Sometimes we think that's a feeling, a feeling of peace. But he says, I do not give to you as the world gives. So if I'm gonna learn to access these things, and this isn't just a principle for peace, this is a principle for anything from God. There's a way to try to obtain these things from the world, And then there's a way to try to obtain these things from God. We got to see this. People have have found peace in the world. It's just not everlasting, undeniable peace beyond 
comprehension like the word of God says. You're always going to find a limited form of it in the world. It's going to be a limited capacity. It's not going to answer. You want the peace of God that passes all understanding. You want the joy of the Holy Spirit, not the joy that the world can give you. Come on. You want the, the faith and the confidence that you can get in a dire situation that you get from God's word, not from the world. In, in any of these arenas, we can go to the world, but it's going to be a false alternative. It's going to be a counterfeit that's going to leave you dry and wanting more. You can get value from the world. You can get value and affirmation and approval from people. But guess what? The value and affirmation and approval you want is from the one that made you and created you and put you on this planet and knows your purpose way before uh, uh, anything else. He created you with a purpose, for a purpose. He destined you. So we don't go to the world to try to supply what we're only supposed to get from God and his word. You see that? So I don't give to you as the world gives. And then he makes this weird statement. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. Don't let. You've heard me tell you, I'm going away and I'm coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I'm going to the Father. Because the Father is greater than I. When I learn to live with the revelation from the Holy Spirit, I'll rejoice in situations where others will grieve and mourn. That I will have a different outlook. I will have a different expectation. I will respond to things differently than the world does. Because I know something, I have something that the world cannot have. Because he's been revealed to us in a way that the world cannot receive him. The world cannot know him. The world cannot perceive him. But you and I can. He says, you would rejoice that I'm going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. Verse 29, I have told you now before it happens. So that when it does. Notice that having the Holy Spirit doesn't eliminate it from happening. You see that? We're not talking about something that uh, helps us avoid challenging situations. He's helping us something. He's helping us live in a way that we will endure challenging. I, I can look for a way out or I can look for a way through. It's different. Believers are looking for a way through. The world is looking for a way out. We're looking for a way to avoid. I don't want to encounter that. I don't want to go through that. And he says, no, 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 no. It'll happen. And I'm telling you this before it happens. And it will happen. So that when it happens, you may believe. I'm going to have this up here in in the Amplified. I want to look at a few of these verses real quick. In verse 17. Verse 17, he says, The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, welcome, and take to its heart, because it does not see him, or know and recognize him. But you know and recognize him, for he lives with you constantly and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, comfortless, desolate, bereaved, forlorn, helpless. I will come back to you. Just a little while now, and the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me because I live, and you will live also. Uh, If you jump on down to, let's go to verse 25. Verse 25, I have told you these things while I'm still with you. But the comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby, the Holy Spirit. I love that. He's every single one of those things to us. Whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to to represent me, and act on my behalf. That's the Holy Spirit. Again, not second class, not second tier, not, uh, you know, we couldn't quite get the perfect model, but, but here's something that will just have to hold you over until Jesus comes back. No, he gave you an exact replica, a representation of Jesus himself 
that now lives inside of you. He will teach you all things. I wonder what's teaching us. This is telling us that the Holy Spirit will teach us all things. And he will cause you to recall, will remind you of and bring to your remembrance everything I have told you. Peace I leave, leave with you, my own peace I now give and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Now here it is. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. You know, this is telling me that as a believer, if I'm living in trouble, in a troubled state, if I become afraid, it goes on here to say, stop allowing yourselves to be agitated. And anybody been agitated or disturbed lately? Yeah. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed and do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. In every single one of these instances, the responsibility is on you and I. Now, it's easy to play the blame game. And it's easy to say, well, the economy this and, and the government that and, uh, you know, uh, my spouse this and this situation. And, well, you know, we didn't win the vote and this is just the way it's going to be the next four years. And we can come up with any kind of excuse or explanation you want. But remember, Jesus, we've already read the end of this passage. Jesus is letting you know that dire situations are coming. Challenging times are coming. Uh, opportunities of distress. Every single one of these are opportunities. Opportunities to be agitated. Opportunities to be troubled. Opportunities to be afraid. Opportunities to be disturbed. Opportunities to be fearful, intimidated, cowardly, and unsettled. They are but opportunities. And in every single instance, he puts it on you and I to do not let or stop allowing or do not become. I didn't write it. The Holy Spirit wrote it through man, letting us know that if we find ourselves in that state, we have allowed, we have let ourselves get there. How? By operating out of a soul capacity rather than a spirit capacity. You cannot, I said again, you cannot respond or live out of your spirit and end up in one of these situations. Disturbed, agitated, intimidated, cowardly, unsettled, fearful, afraid. Not out of your spirit. Not out of your spirit. You can be on a boat that's doomed to wreck as Paul was in Acts chapter 27 and still know in your spirit all we're going to live if you follow my instructions. Yeah, I, I want to remind you that Paul wrote an entire book on rejoicing, be anxious for nothing, set your mind on good and not evil, wrote all that from a jail cell, never knowing if the next day was his last. Hello? That's called engaging and living out of the spirit, contacting out of the spirit and not the flesh, not the soul, not my feelings. How many of you would love to live that way? I would love to live that way. That even the surprises of life don't catch me off guard. Even the surprises of life. Now, we've got a lot that competes for our attention. We've got a lot that vies for what we look at. And what he's telling us is the pathway to the heart always goes through the gateway of the mind. I'll say it again. The pathway of the heart to the heart always goes through the gateway of the mind. That how you are in your spirit is determined by what you have set up in your mind. The mind, the will, the emotions, the soul. The soul becomes the gate. And if we don't learn to stand guard at the gate, if we don't learn to guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, that's the word of God, 
that word guard is a military uh, uh, term. As in standing guard and letting nothing trespass, letting nothing by, letting nothing engage or get to our spirits. And this is where we have faltered. This is where we have, uh, uh, you know, be, become lulled to sleep. This is where we have let our guards down. Then when a surprise of life comes. Because they were about to get a big surprise. He's already warned them, but they didn't believe him. They didn't comprehend what he was talking about. He's told them, they're going to come. They're going to kill me. They're going to take me away. Uh, they're going to make a mockery of me. I'm going I'm to be uh, crucified, and then I'm, third day I'm going to rise. They didn't receive any of that. And when it happened, it was a big surprise. You look at their response. They basically did everything he told them in this passage not to do. They were disturbed. They were afraid. They were cowardly. They were unsettled. Every, and this is what he's preparing them for. I'll remind you in John chapter 14, he's sitting down at the Last Supper. We've all seen the, the picture, right? Where Jesus said, everybody to this side for the photo. <laughs> Everybody's sitting on the same side of the table. We've all seen the Lord's Supper. We've all, this is that moment. That's, what we're, that's where we're at. We're hours before arrest. Hours. This isn't days, months, hours. I mean, the book of John practically begins at the last six months of Jesus' ministry. We're already at the end of this thing. And this is, who, this is what he's telling them. This is what he's letting them know. I've told you these things. And the Holy Spirit, he'll remind you of what I told you. And he'll even show you things to come. Maybe there are opportunities that surprise us where the Holy Spirit was trying to make us aware of things beforehand. He'll set you up, and he'll set you up good. Yes, he will. The Holy Spirit's great at preparing you. And even though you may not know the exact circumstances coming, he can prepare you and say, okay, we're guarding up here. We're building up our, our walls here. We're, we're establishing ourselves in this work. We're getting ready. And you don't, and then you can look back and say, that's why. That's why he was leading me to that work. That's why he wanted me to build that relationship. That's why he wanted me to save that money. That's why he wanted me to go there. That's why he wanted me to do that. I've had people tell me that the Lord led them to this church. And even though at times maybe it wasn't the place that they were like, man, that's not really my thing. They were here and they found out months later, God was preparing me for something. And had I said no, had I deterred and said that, that goes against what I feel like I want to do, what I, where I think I need to be, they, they remained, they just felt led, and it was preparing them for something that was crucial. It could be life or death. The Holy Spirit will help you. In these moments. And he's given you the Holy Spirit for just these situations. Verse 28 says, you heard me tell you I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you really loved me, you would have been glad. Because I'm going to the Father. The Holy Spirit will help you respond sometimes unnaturally. We call it supernatural. But the supernatural is unnatural to the natural. Yeah. Say that again. The supernatural is unnatural to the natural. I think I said it a few weeks ago. You know, when you walk the life of faith and you walk the, the life of the kingdom, sometimes you just got to look dumb until you look smart. It's that contrary sometimes. Now, I'm not telling you to be weird. I'm not telling you to be awkward. I'm telling you to be socially, you know, uh, you know, Whatever, I, I, I'm telling you that there's going to be times where you're going to have to respond not out of your mind, not out of what you know, not out of what you think, not out of how you feel, not out of what the majority is doing. You're going to have to respond out of the spirit. And the spirit will, will a lot of times put you in the minority. Living a life like this. And I'm not saying even, you know, proactively, but finding yourself not disturbed when everyone's disturbed. Finding yourself settled and confident when everyone else is unsettled, right? Finding yourself walking in love when it would be easy to walk in hate. Come on. Finding yourself to spend 
when, God would, when, when the world would tell you to save and finding yourself saving when the world would say to spend. I mean, you can get a plethora of, 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 uh, of examples that the Holy Spirit, living out of the Spirit, will have you do the complete opposite. He said, if you would have really loved me, if you would have known what this is really all about, you would have rejoiced that I'm leaving and going away. Didn't he make a statement just a couple of chapters later? It's to your advantage that I go. Because if I don't, then the Holy Spirit can't come. You're actually better off is what he's saying. Amen. You'll find yourself living in better off than the entire world around you, even though it looks like you're the one at the deficit. You're the one behind. You're the one not caught up. Amen. We understand this, that one who only operates out of their soul will live defeated. One who merely lives out of their soul, you can include the flesh, will live defeated. That the the way to a victorious life, the way to overcoming, the way to victory is living out of the spirit. Is learning to, 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 uh, you know, not discount and discredit, but, but at times even deny what the flesh and what the feelings want. Being able to say no. Being able to turn those things down and say, this is what the spirit says. This is what the spirit wants. Victory is the result. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Y'all doing okay? Don't let. Don't allow. Don't permit. That's on us. God will give you the strength to do it, but he will not make you do it. He has yet to make anyone do it. If you're asking him to make you do it, you're asking him to do something that in 6,000 plus years of history, he's never done. (laughs) And he won't. But man, he'll give you the strength. He'll give you the grace. Yeah, you need grace to live out of the supernatural. I was listening to a, a, a pastor friend of mine recently, and, and he said, man, if you have a hard time with cussing, saying words that you shouldn't be saying, a dirty mouth, pray in tongues, speak in tongues, and watch how quickly the Holy Spirit will alter the natural capacity of your, your tongue to align with the world rather than the Spirit. It's a retraining that's taking place. It's a retraining. Speak the language of heaven. You won't find yourself speaking the language of the world much longer. It's a retraining. It doesn't happen overnight, but it's a retraining that takes place. There's simple things like that. Are we engaging? Are we speaking out of? Are we more influenced by? Oh, the influences. If, if we could deal with just the, just the influences in our lives. I'm telling you, a lot of us have the wrong sources of information. When it comes to the news, guys, I I just, a headline is enough for me. More than enough. There's enough where I can be connected and I can be aware of what's going on. But man, there, there are just... You know, but there are some that, man, they just feed and feed and feed. And it, it's, it's, creating, um, it's creating within them, it, 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 they're, they're at a deficit to even have empathy towards a situation. Let me, let me put it to you this way. If in the four years when President Trump was in office, that your prayer life wasn't what it is today because pre- pre- President Biden is in office, The Holy Spirit's not leading your prayer life. Culture is. Now your your prayer life is engaged by what culture's telling you and what I need to be doing rather than the Holy Spirit. I don't, I I strive. I don't want to say I don't because I'm human and I'm flesh like anybody else, but I strive not to do anything because culture motivates me to do it. I don't even preach messages or say things because culture tells me I should do it. But man, two years ago, just about every pulpit was, 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 had, had an individual holding a microphone in it that was speaking to the, that weekend's events. Yeah. 
And it was literally happening that quickly that every weekend their sermon was dictated by Fox News or CNN. By who was killed, who was beat up, uh, what, what was running rampant in the streets. I don't get back here and get my sermon uh, 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 content from social media, news media. I had people telling me, Pastor, why aren't you saying this? Why aren't you talking about that? You ought to be thankful for a pastor that listens to the Holy Spirit and not the world around him. And it's time we start pressing into the Holy Spirit. I mean pressing into the Holy. You're feeling things rise up in your spirit. You're feeling things. You better start pressing, disengage and disconnect the natural and the soul and the flesh because the devil, man, he wants you to be led by your emotions. He wants you to be led by culture. He wants you to be led by hot button topics. He wants you to be led by what everybody else is saying. He wants you to be led by your flesh, by your feelings, by your thinking. And man, he will exalt them. He will justify your reasoning every time. Grumbling is always justified, naturally. You can justify grumbling when you're in a hot desert wilderness and there's no water anywhere. You can justify it. You just can't justify the lack of faith. Y'all with me? I can justify being at a Red Sea here and an army there that's ready to kill us and take us or, or take us back into slavery. I can justify grumbling and complaining, naturally speaking. And the enemy, he'll give you all the justification you want. He'll always give you a, 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 a good reason to be in the state you're in. And he will feed that. He will appeal to your emotions, man. He will, appeal, he will, he will help you justify the anger and the hostility toward a, a certain group of people. He will, he will get you to justify living out of the soul and out of the flesh. And a lot of Christians have called it whatever Christian theological term you want to call it. If you're not connected to your spirit, now that doesn't mean you're not going to have some responses. But Jesus flipped over some tables in a righteous indignation. I'm not telling you not to say anything. I'm not, don't hear me on both sides. Don't just listen to one half of what I'm saying. But we need believers that can contact the spirit, live out of their spirit, and you've got to know when to pull the plug on something and say, this is engaging my soul and my flesh too much. I need to get in the spirit. I'm going to press into the things of the spirit. That means spending time praying in the spirit. That means spending time, uh, uh, time in the word. God, what, is, what are you saying about us? Everybody wants to know what pastors say about things. Pastor Mar, what do you have to say about this? I only have to say, I make it short and easy for you, what the word says. I will only ever give you the word. Period. And if I'm in a situation where I don't have an answer, I'll be Jesus and I will step down in the sand and I will write in the sand until I get an answer of how we're going to respond to a situation. Amen. That's called being led by the Spirit. That's called contacting and living out of the Spirit. You know who in your life wants you to live out of your flesh. And they rile it up. You know which conversations. You know which news articles. You know which feeds you follow on Instagram or Facebook that rile up the flesh and the emotion and the soul at the expense of your spirit. Okay, that's enough about that. You get it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, we do not become discouraged, utterly spiritless. Do you see that in the Amplified? Utterly spiritless, exhausted, and wearied out through fear. That's the enemy's tactic right there. To motivate you to be weary, tired, exhausted. You never make a good decision in that state. Jerry Ann just shared with me that her, they were uh, writing, JL and Garrison were writing declarations for the year. And uh, one of JL's declarations was, I cast out the spirit of tiredness. I'll take some of that. Come on. What's that? That's a soul state. That's a flesh state. And he wears you down in that capacity because then you're, you are vulnerable and susceptible in the spirit capacity. We're about to see it. We do not become 
discouraged, utterly spiritless, exhausted, and wearied out through fear. Though our outer man is progressively decaying and wasting away, yet our inner self is being progressively renewed day after day. Can we say that about our life? I'm not moved in, 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 in you know, what, what happens on the outside, what happens to this body, but I have a strengthening on the inside, a renewing on the inside. I'm living from the inside out, not the outside in. That's what he's saying. For our light, momentary affliction. I love the words that Paul uses because it wasn't light and it wasn't momentary. This was his life. This slight distress. There's the word again. We just saw it in John chapter 14. Of the passing hour. Is ever more and more abundantly preparing and producing and achieving for us an everlasting weight of glory. That's called perspective. He's not saying I avoid trials. He's saying I endure trials and I see what God is doing in the midst of it. That God is working out all things for my good. The bad can get worked out for good. Okay? This is what he's saying. Beyond all measure, excessively surpassing all comparisons and all calculations, a vast and transcendent glory and blessedness never to cease. Since, here it is, we consider and look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are visible are temporal, brief and fleeting, but the things that are invisible are deathless and everlasting. There's your answer. Why are we continuing to allow things through the gateway of our mind that are compromising the spirit? He says at some point you're going to learn how to, you're going to have to learn how to not look, not consider, That doesn't mean you're denying the facts. You're just denying the facts, the power to rule your life. There's a difference. I've brought it out many times. Joshua and Caleb never ignored the fact that there were giants in the land, never ignored the fact that it was a vast territory, never ignored the fact that their enemies inhabited the territory, never ignored the fact that it was gonna take a lot to overcome. They just denied the the reality and the facts of the promised land to be more powerful than God's word that says, this is your land, this is your territory, now go and possess it. You see the difference? The enemy wants you to accept facts at the expense of the word of God. The enemy wants you to believe something that's factual, that's real, that's literally happening, that this is literally what's taking place. I understand that, but God's word is just as literal. And so I've got to strengthen myself where? In the invisible. How do I do that? With an invisible spirit living inside, housed in this flesh and housed uh, by this soul that I've got to learn What is allowed past the gate and what's not? I've got to learn what is allowed. And then if if, if I'm in a situation, man, where there's a lot bombarding that gate, then I've got to strengthen the spirit on the inside. That's when I go to the word. That's when I get around other Christ-like, like-minded believers. Not just everybody. You get in the circle. And you know who the circle is. And you know who's in the circle. And you know who's not in the circle. You know who's leaving the room when we're trying to raise a dead girl off a of bed. And you know who you can let back in there. And, and, and they're going to believe and stand and agree and lock arms with you. And they're going to stand with you on that thing. You know who to call and you know who not to call. You know who to call when your, your spouse is doing something. And they're going to say, man, you need to get up out of there. You, this is what you need to say to him. And you know who's going to say, you know, get back in there and make them something to eat. Love on them. Show them the love of God. Come on. Come on. Do you want to continue to feed the soul and the, and the flesh at the expense of your spirit? I'll tell you what, you continue to override that thing, and it's never going to be able to rise up and challenge anything.
It's never going to be able to, cha- to, to challenge those obstacles. Last passage, Ephesians chapter 6. Spiritual matters must be dealt with by spiritual things. I am done watching the church respond to spiritual situations with natural resources. I'm done with it. We've got to be done with that. I'm not saying that we never engage the natural. I'm saying that it aligns with the spiritual. We've watched the world go round and round in circles. It's been a circus watching the world try to resolve spiritual matters with natural reasoning and resources. (laughs) Isn't that a mess? And they don't have an answer for nothing. Every answer they come up with has another problem attached to it. Now, I'm not saying any of them are inherently wrong, but the motive is to just keep you chasing and chasing and chasing. The Holy Spirit leads you to do it, then it becomes powerful. Then it becomes uh, something that can bring answers and solutions to a lost and dying world. But, but not on its own. Not, not at the expense of let me try out every natural measure I can come up and find with and, and come up with and find, and then try God, then go to His Word. No, let's go to the Holy Spirit first, because He will lead you to which natural measure to use and to take. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, for our struggle. There's a struggle. The struggle is real. Y'all remember that statement? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not the problem that we're struggling. It's the problem that we're struggling on the wrong level. Because my struggle is not against flesh and blood. But against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. Y'all see that? It's still a struggle. You know, if you play, uh, you know, let's say you play a sport, let's say you play basketball. Both teams are sweating their face off at the end of the game. But one's victorious and one's not. Victory for the believer doesn't mean we're coasting through. Victory for the believer doesn't mean we're not giving energy or effort. Rest does not mean having to take off and do nothing. You can find rest even in the seasons of the greatest effort in your entire life. You can still be at rest. You can still be at peace. He said, this peace I give to you, not like the world gives. The world has to take off weeks They have to take sabbaticals. They they have to take all this time off just to get to a place where where they can keep doing the normal day-to-day activities. But God can bring you rest even in the most trying, difficult seasons in your life. And you won't be able to explain it. People will look at you and say, how are you so calm? Shouldn't you be more worried? Shouldn't you be anxious? It'll, It'll show up in your countenance. It'll perplex them because you're living out of the spirit, not the soul. We're fighting the battles on the right level. Verse 12 in the Amplified, for we are not wrestling with flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents. I'm telling you right now, the the, the president may have changed, but the the spiritual forces did not. You hear me? The situation may have changed, but the spiritual attack from the enemy has been the same since Genesis chapter 3. He's still doing the same thing he's always been doing, trying to deceive and trick and deny the authority and word of God. We are not wrestling with flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the despotisms, against the powers, against the master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness against the spirit forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural sphere. He goes on to give us the armor of God. Covering yourself, arming yourself. We need a church that's armed in these days. It's great to have a church to go to church with, but I need a church that I can go to war with, go to battle with, Amen. And in verse 18, he says, pray at all times, where? 
in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray in the spirit. Man, there are things we're just gonna have to engage in the spirit. You were designed to attack things on the level where they were meant to be dealt with, you and I. No one else out there. They do not see him. They cannot know him. They cannot receive him. But you and I can attack situations, even cultural, even societal, even uh, governmental, even economic. Whatever situation we find ourselves in, we've got to stop responding foolishly. What does that mean? Lacking spiritual sense. We've got to stop responding out of our flesh. We've got to stop responding out of what our flesh wants. We've got to stop responding out of uh, how we feel. And start saying, Holy Spirit, how do I need to address this situation? Holy Spirit, and he's always going to align you with the word. I know there's been... Sectors of of Christians and denominations that tag on Holy Spirit said this and the Holy Spirit said that and and we think we can just get by with it and and, and, because how can you question the Holy Spirit? Well, he says that he'll only remind us of the word. He'll allow you to recall. He'll only speak in line with the Father. He'll only say what I've been telling you the whole time. And many times... When you want a word from the Holy Spirit, he's going to take you right back to this and say, what what does my word say about that? What what, what did I say in my word? What did the authority of the king say? Because he's already put it. He's already got it in writing. And there's times where you'll need a specific word. You'll need a specific direction, and he'll do that. But that's because we live engaging and contacting out of the Spirit not our emotions, not our feelings, not our soul, not our flesh, not the majority, not what everybody's doing. Holy Spirit, what are you doing? So Father, we, we receive this word tonight by the Spirit. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.